0: There are a bunch of reasons why Ozzy Osbourne's solo debut, Blizzard of Oz, released on September 20th, 1980, is one of the greatest albums in the history of metal, wrote John Weederhorn for louderwire.com, the source for much of this account. First, it was a stunning comeback from an artist who seemed completely stricken down and burned out. In late 1978, after recording eight albums with Black Sabbath, Osborne was coming apart at the seams, incapacitated by drugs and alcohol and dealing with debilitating writer's block. He went AWOL and missed six weeks of rehearsal with the band. Ultimately, the other members of Sabbath, who had severe alcohol and drug problems of their own, decided they couldn't move forward anymore with Osborne. At that point, Ozzy didn't want to do anything apart from go out and get drunk, Tony Iommi said in Weederhorn's book, Louder Than Hell, The Definitive Oral History of Metal. So it came to the point where the other guy said, well, look, if we don't do anything, we're going to break up. We're not going to stand it. We're going to leave. So that was the decision between the three of us. We said, we're going to have to replace Ozzy. At that point, Osborne was living in a rundown hotel he could barely afford since he'd spent so much money on cocaine and booze. He'd lost his wife his band, his self-esteem, and, he thought, his charisma. But Sharon Arden, the daughter of Black Sabbath's manager, Don Arden, felt that Ozzy had been the star of the show when he was on stage with Sabbath and could still be a part of something exceptional. So she took Ozzy under her wing, first as a friend, then as a manager, and restored his confidence as a performer. Then she worked with him to put together a new lineup of musicians. Initially, they wanted to recruit guitarist Gary Moore, but he wasn't interested, so... At the suggestion of Ozzy's friend, Dana Strum, they tracked down a young virtuoso guitar player who was teaching guitar in L.A. by the name of Randy Rhodes, as Ozzy explained in a BBC interview in 1980. Who is this guitar player, Randy Rhodes? This is just a phenomenon. I met him in L.A. about just after I left Black Sabbath because we went out to L.A. to start writing when I was still with the Sabbath. Someone recommended him to me, actually. He was a guitar teacher out there. I'd given up, I was was looking for people for weeks and I'd given up all hope of ever finding anybody out there and suddenly this guy weighing about two ounces wet suddenly knocked the door with his guitar and I thought wow I heard him play 4 o'clock in the morning and I was absolutely drunk out of my mind. And I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I said, well, you know, let's have a go. And we got it together from there. Ozzy wrote in his memoir, I Am Ozzy, quote, I remember him plugging his Gibson Les Paul into a little practice amp and saying to me, do you mind if I warm up? Knock yourself out, I said. Then he started doing these finger exercises. And I had to say to him, stop, Randy, just stop right there. What's wrong, he said. You're hired. So to complete the lineup, Ozzy wanted Strum to play bass, that didn't work out, so he added ex Uriah Heat bassist Bob Daisley and one of Ozzy's friends, Barry Screenage, as their temporary drummer. With new blood, strong musicianship, and excellent chemistry, Rhodes, Daisley, and Osborne started writing at a live-in studio in Monmouth, Wales. In early 1980, the band demoed three of their strongest and most popular songs now, Crazy Train, I Don't Know, and Goodbye to Romance, with drummer Dixie Lee. Realizing they needed somebody who could keep a more powerful and consistent beat, they auditioned and hired drummer Lee Kerslake, who had previously played with Daisley in Uriah Heep. It was a slight compromise since Ozzy was gunning for Tommy Aldridge, who at the time was busy with Pat Travers. But Kerslake served the band's needs. The Blizzard of Oz Band, as it was called at the time, flew to Ridge Farm Studio in Rusper, England, to start recording the album with producer Chris Sangarides. Max Norman was his engineer. The first song they tracked was Goodbye to Romance, a tune that would establish Osborne's reputation for balancing high-energy anthems with hard-on-sleeve ballads. They repeated that formula with Revelation, Mother Earth. Other standouts on the album were the storming steal away the night, the occult theme Mr. Crowley, the classical guitar instrumental D, and the controversial Suicide Solution, most notably after the October 1984 suicide of John McCollum, a depressed teenager who shot himself allegedly after listening to the song. The boy's parents sued Osborne and CBS Records for encouraging self-destructive behaviour, as they called it, in young people. The song was actually a warning about the dangers of drowning in alcohol like Ozzy was, as he explained recently while talking about how he found out about the lawsuit from Sharon. I'd been drinking heavily for a, a long, long time. And it's like suicide solution, means solution being liquid, not a way out. People get the fucking thing all wrong. Sharon phoned me up in England. She says, "Get on a plane. We got you. Got to come over." So I said, "Well, tell me when I got to come over." She said, "I'll tell you when you get here." I said, what "Is he problems?" She said, "Just get on a fucking plane." I we'll get to LAX. I come to the terminal, and there must have been two hundred cameras when there. Oh. I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder, <laughs> thinking I'm standing. <laughs> front. She said, and "About fifteen microphones coming." What do you think of the, the, the lawsuit? I'm going. What lawsuit? then when I get back to the hotel, I'll find out what it's all about, you know. More than shocked. I guess he was more than shocked. Ironically, Ozzy and his bandmates were initially disappointed with the sound of Blizzard of Oz, and they blamed Sangarides, who they fired and promoted Norman to the producer's chair. Though he's not credited on the release, Norman strengthened the sound of the record and worked as Ozzy's producer until 1986's The Ultimate Sin. When the Blizzard of Oz band finished the album, CBS Records created artwork that featured Ozzy's name in large print and Blizzard of Oz in much smaller font. Immediately, mistake or not, the album was considered Osbourne's first solo album. In all likelihood, when the label realized how strong the record was, they figured it would be easier to market it as the solo album from Black Sabbath's former singer than as a totally new band. Quote, by the time we got Blizzard in the can, I knew we had a cracking album, Ozzy wrote. We had a couple of cracking albums, actually, because we had a lot of material left over when we were done. Some of that material was used on the follow-up to Blizzard of Oz, Diary of a Madman, which was written quickly and recorded between February and March of 1981. By then, Osborne was still partying heavily, but he was back at full strength, able to record and perform exceptionally, using muscle memory. All it took was a major injection of success. Even if you think something's brilliant... He said in I Am Ozzy, you never know what the general public's going to pick up on. But as soon as the radio stations got a hold of Crazy Train, it was a done deal. The thing just exploded. Blizzard of Oz isn't just one of the most successful metal albums of all time. It's also one of the most influential. Quote, the first album I got knowing full well that it was heavy metal was Blizzard of Oz, says Testament lead guitarist Alex Skolnick. I wasn't familiar with Sabbath yet. that was a great discovery for me. And hearing Randy Rhodes playing was completely mind-blowing and pretty much reinvented the way I thought of the electric guitar and what you could do with it, which was pretty amazing. The album was a commercial success. Four times platinum in the U.S., a feat Osborne would not achieve again until the release of No More Tears in 1991. It sold over 6 million copies to date worldwide, making it Osborne's best-selling solo album. It also ranked 13th on a Guitar World Reader's Poll of the 100 greatest guitar albums of all time. In his autobiography, Osborne readily admitted at the time that the album was being recorded, he felt he was in direct competition with his former band, Black Sabbath. Paul Elliott wrote on Loudersound.com that what Ozzy delivered on Blizzard of Oz was astonishing, a performance of complete authority that redefined his entire career. If Ozzy had felt like a has-been following his dismissal from Black Sabbath, he sounded reborn on Blizzard of Oz. It was a heavy metal album, but one quite unlike anything he had recorded with Sabbath. With Rhodes, the most exciting guitarist since Eddie Van Halen, Ozzy had found a new sound for a new decade, illustrated most powerfully by the new album's lead single, Crazy Train, the modern hard rock anthem driven by a high-octane Rhodes riff with Ozzy gleefully playing up to his Looney Tunes image blizzard of oz full of great songs and the album's release was accompanied by a sellout tour proof that ozzy was not as he'd feared a has-been and now ozzy's blizzard of oz becomes our latest inductee into the drive rock of fame i'm kelly parker